This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Don't forget to bet, uh, download that Bet Rivers app. You got a couple days to make all these Super Bowl bets. This is episode 53, Thursday, February 9th. And uh, we are privileged to have my partner, uh, on, of course, on the Eagles postgame show. And he is on the scene. Ladies and gentlemen, because uh, that's where he lives. He's an Arizona guy. He is the great eagle, Seth Joyner, joining us. How you doing, Seth? Mike Miss, I'm like running on fumes, my man. I'm running on fumes, and the, and the week's just started. <laughs> you got you got to be busy being pulled in a hundred different directions, especially now that you're on the scene out there. T- describe what that's like out there. Well, you know, yesterday was kind of mild. I get the sense that you know. Um, Today's Thursday. Most people are going to start coming in today. Uh, my phone started ringing a little bit yesterday, and I could barely even get up this morning. I had three people call me, hey, man, where can you get me a tea time? I'm like, why in the hell would you wait till Thursday morning to call me and ask me about a tea time? So have you played golf this week? I'm not playing any golf, man. I got too much stuff going on. No. Oh, you're not? No. I'm just, you know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting for everything to calm down. I'm waiting for the parade to be over. I got my little sports talk on Friday. The parade will probably be Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I'll probably be in Philly on through, you know, next week. And then when I leave, I'm shutting it down. I'm leaving the country. I ain't telling anybody where I'm going, but I can promise you it's going to be some salt water and some sands and some sunshine somewhere (laughs) close. <laughs> so I wanted to say it's a good combination. Uh, all right, so let me ask you about the week. Were you at the uh, opening night? Did you wander down that way? And uh, if you did, uh, what, 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 what did you witness? You know, you know, I didn't. I wasn't down there. I just got home um, late Tuesday night because I had to take my show Tuesday. Um, so by the time I got packed up, I got home probably about 8. Um, I went straight to an event from the airport. Um you know, I'm trying to remember the name of there's a it's, it's D. I think it's D.A.O. Um, it's a, a a red sauce. They got restaurants all over the place. I can't remember the name of it, but Rayos. Seth, is it Rayos in New York? R.A.O. Yeah. Rayos. Not. Yes. Yeah. Rayos is a restaurant in New York. They now jar their sauce. You can see it everywhere. Yes. 
So they had a pop-up event here in Phoenix uh, where they brought their master chef and everybody from New York and took over this restaurant. So they had their opening deal um, Tuesday night. So I went straight from the airport to that. Um, was there till about 11. And um, so I wasn't at opening night. I just, you know, I, I missed that. You know, that guy who runs those rest, that restaurant is, it was, it was in Goodfellas. Uh, he was the, if you remember the movie Goodfellas, he was, uh, he was the guy who was cooking the steaks and he asked, how do you like your steak? And they go, uh, medium rare. He goes, oh, an aristocrat. <laughs> so he, that's, that's who, that's who that guy is. So uh, another one of his partners, Mike, was the FBI agent. It was chasing Tony Soprano in the early seasons of The Sopranos. Yeah, look at you, Darren, throwing in these tidbits. All right, so hey, man. So, so Seth, let me describe. Uh, obviously, we've been to various Super Bowl venues. Describe what what Arizona brings as a Super Bowl venue. I mean, I'm looking at NFL Network, and there's parties everywhere. Scottsdale over here, over there. They got a Main Street, the whole bit. They're really putting it out, and this is going to be a busy weekend. With that waste management golf tournament, are they they able to handle all this? Listen, they've done it before. Um, it's the perfect venue, especially you know if the weather falls right, which it seems to be. Um, you know, I think yesterday it got up to right around seventy, maybe a little warmer. Um, it's projected to be that way throughout. You know, the the golf tournament, you know, actually kicks off today. Yeah, today's Thursday, so the first they had the pro am yesterday, so that tournament you know, gets about a half a million to a quarter of a million people over a, a, a four or five day span. And then you got all the all the football people that are flying in for the, um, you know, for the Super Bowl. But you got everything at your disposal. You know, we got great restaurants here. We've got, you know, all the golf that you can, you know, that you probably could want to play. You know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's a headache trying to get a tee time because so many people are here, but there's great golf here. Um, the weather's perfect and you know what a hell of a Sunday it's going to be for the waste management to wrap up and then turn around a couple of hours later and you got the football game the Super Bowl 57 kicking off um, it's going to be a hell of a weekend man how many Philly people are you noticing wandering around I mean they represent and I gotta uh, imagine that they found their way there somehow uh, whether it's without tickets or with tickets or with RVs or with flying in what, what, what are you seeing the representation like here listen they're they're here in mass they're here in mass not only the ones that are that are already they already live here um, the ones that are coming. When I flew in um, Tuesday night, the plane was absolutely packed with Eagles fans. Um, you get down to the baggage claim, you know, f- flights all over the place, just Eagles p- paraphernalia everywhere. I'm telling you, we're about to take the city over, man. <laughs> That's a, that was to be predicted. Uh, and I know some people that are driving in, uh, across country in, in RVs to get there and I mean, it's nuts. Wow. Driving. You know how long that is, You're man? driving. And obviously, you don't have a place to stay at this point. You're driving, you know, sleeping in the RV, you know, like five, six guys all smelled up. It's just as long as they're getting there, you know? Well, I guess they can say they were here when they won. So, I guess that's what's most important. You got to. I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Uh, all right. So, let's talk about the game. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, there is this, uh, there is this confidence that's in this city right now, uh, like I've never seen. Uh, you know, usually there's little ambivalence, a little I'm scared, I'm this and that. I haven't talked to one person, and I've been talking to a lot of people this week, that don't believe the Eagles are going to win this game. They are totally 100% confident. Uh, is, is that wise? 
Well, listen, it does not it the fans' perspective does not affect how the players play. You know, the 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 players right now are like in this bubble, you know, they're like kind of compartmentalized at this point in time. So, you know, they know what they're up against. They know what Patrick Mahomes is. They know what this game means to Andy Reid. They know what Travis Kelsey is, and they know what Chris Jones and and um, and uh, what Frank Clark is. Okay, and they know they've got some some other players that you know can really give them problems. So, I don't necessarily worry about how the fans feel about it. You know, I won't. I'm confident. You know, I believe the Eagles are going to win. Um, why? Because. You know the Philadelphia, the the city of Philadelphia deserves it. The, the 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 Eagles, quite frankly, Mike, are the better football team. They may have a better football coach, you know, and they may have the better quarterback, and that's to be expected because both of those guys, you know, you look at their experience, um, and you look at the fact that Patrick Mahomes has been bred to be a passer of the football. You expect for him to be a better player than Jalen Hurts at this time, but the Philadelphia Eagles clearly have the better overall football team. We have a better offensive line. We have the better overall defensive defensive line. We have the overall better wide receivers. Um, you know, you just, you can just go on and on. So I think when you objectively look at all of those things, you can look at it and be a little confident in the fact that the Eagles, you know, are going to win this game. Seth, there's a stat out there I want to run by because to, to me it's a mind-boggling stat, even though it's a small sample size. But when the number one pass defense goes against the number one passing offense, the pass defense has won by an average of 31 points. Now, this is about, you know, three or four games that the circumstances has, has come into play in the Super Bowl. Uh, and it doesn't include a guy named Mahomes. So wh- when you hear that stat, how do you feel about it? What's it mean to you? It's a good stat. You know, it, it's like <laughs> if you always say that it, people always say that defenses win, win championships. If that's the case, then, you know, if you take the best offense and you put it up against the best defense, then nine times out of ten, that would tell you that the defense would come out on top. You know, when you look at it, you have to ask yourself, okay, how many weapons does – Patrick Mahomes have that really gives you fear. You know, the one guy is Travis Kelsey and you don't worry about him running deep. You worry about him moving the chain short and how Jonathan Gannon can take him away in that short to intermediate area and make Patrick Mahomes come off of him and go somewhere else with the football. Um, You know, Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, you know, out of um, out of Rutgers, he worries me a little bit. Um, because if they can get the run game going, then things become a lot easier for Patrick Mahomes. But if you can make him one-sided, I'm I'm not even opposed to Patrick Mahomes. Mike, throwing the ball 50 times in this game. I want him to throw it 50 times, because if he puts it up that many times, that means our defensive front has shut down the run. We're in pass rush mode. We're in a situation where we're turning our best pass rushes loose on, on Patrick Mahomes, and every once in a while, we're going to win on the back end. Every once in a while, one of our guys is going to get home. Now you got opportunities for interceptions, sack fumbles, all of those things. How would you deal with Kelsey here? How how would you play it? Uh, if you, if I would play him a a, a couple of different ways. Um, first of all, I don't think he, in my opinion, he he wouldn't get a free release anytime he's lined up. You know, in phase, uh, in the tight position on the line. He'd never get a free release, you know, even at the expense of Josh Sweat or 
um, Hassan Reddick being late on their pass rush. I want to jam him, and then I want the linebacker or the DB to jam him simultaneously. That throws off the timing of the route, which means that Patrick Mahomes have to, has to come off of him as the primary and go to the next guy. If you're going to play when he's detached, um, I'm taking you know a guy like uh, Kazir White, and I want to take my shot at him at the line of scrimmage, but I want to play underneath technique. I never want to get even with him, and I never want to get above him because when he feels you above him or even, that he's going to work away from you. From you and him and Mahomes, they don't. When you watch them, they don't seem like they really have any design, you know, routes the way that everybody else does. He's just optioning off of where you are. If he feels you inside, he's going to work away, and Mahomes is going to give him the ball, you know, pinpoint inside. If you're outside, he's going to work away, and and Mahomes is going to give it to him outside. But that's why you want to be underneath because if I'm underneath him, no matter where he options to. He's got to throw it high, and he's got to get it over me as a defender. And now I'm not worrying about anything up the field because I got safety help in the double, whether he decides to go on the seam or to the corner or to the post, wherever it is, a crosser. I got a guy that's over top of him that will take care of all of that stuff. But anything underneath, any kind of crossing route, I want Kazir White to be underneath him, trailing him inside hip, and taking away the the instant window right now and making it very difficult for, for him to catch balls. And the guy over the top, obviously, would be C.J. Garner-Johnson, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, let's look at a, another way where the Eagles can hurt, and we, we alluded to it, and it's the pass rush from the left side, uh, Hassan uh, Reddick against Wiley, which I think is uh, is their weakest spot against the Eagles' strongest spot to get to the quarterback. Play that whole thing out for me and what Kansas City may have to do to, to protect Reddick from getting free reigns. Does that mean the tight end is going to have to help out? The running backs going to have to chip? Could, could it be Kelsey that does that? Do they have to go 12 personnel with another tight end to, to be conscious of that? Well, I can tell you one thing. They are not going to use Travis Kelsey to help slow down Hassan Reddick on the, you know, on their right side, you know, the defense is left. Um, you, you'll probably see the back set up on that side a lot more where they're going to chip him. Um, to your point, they may go, you know, some 12 personnel um, with the extra tight end over on that side. But the one thing they are not going to do is they are not going to, um, you know, take Travis out of the flow of the pass game. Um, he's too important to what they do. Um, listen, it, would be, it wouldn't surprise me at all either. You know, you understand the, um, the creativity of, of, um, of Andy Reid to go some, um, some O2 personnel in this game. Just don't go any running back. Go two tight ends and three, three wide receivers. And you go that, that extra tight end, you line them up, you know, on Hassan Reddick over there to help Wiley. Now you get pretty much, you got six, six offensive linemen to block um, five down linemen or four down linemen. And now you still, you can still get four people out in the route and you can still stress the defense if you choose to go man to man. Um, so it's going to be an interesting chess match because you know that Andy's going to come up with something creative. Um, it's going to make Jonathan Gannon have to, you know, put his thinking cap on on the sideline. Uh, let's look on uh, the offensive side of the football now um, and what Spagnola may have to do uh, against uh, what the Eagles do. Um, he's a blitzer. 
uh, Jalen uh, has not been great against the blitz. Do you, do you expect that you'll see that all game long? Now, the Giants tried to do that early this season. Didn't work out that well. Uh, Spagnola, what kind of tricks do you think he might have up his sleeve? I don't think that, you know, I, I know statistically it might say that Jalen's not great versus the blitz, but I think if you look at the last two games, he's been very good against the blitz. Um, you know, I think the Eagles picked up a huge first down from um, – you know, to AJ Brown in in the last in the divisional, well, in the NFC Championship game, where um, AJ Brown had to go down and shoestring catch it. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I believe that you know quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts aren't that good in in um, in blitz situation is teams don't sight adjust anymore. They just run their routes and you know rely on you know the blocking scheme to pick it up, or they tell Jalen, hey, you know that you got to make that one guy miss. Uh, but if they rush the proper way, he's not going to make that that one guy miss. Now, you know, Spags is going to come after him, but I don't think he's going to come after him recklessly. You know, because if he gets out of the pocket and you're in man coverage, you got a major problem on your hands. There's nothing wrong with his with his legs. You know, the kid is just you know phenomenal at making one guy miss. And if he gets out of that backfield, you got major problems. So he's going to be you know, it, when you see him blitz, it's going to be a control blitz where the defensive ends are going to come up the field and going to create like this pocket and they're going to want to keep him in that pocket, you know, but bring that free hitter through a gap where no one can pick him up and force Jalen to only have one read and one read only. The other thing is Jalen's got it. You know, he's had two weeks now, you know, Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, they've had two weeks. You should have him prepped to be able to see that, you know, if a defensive back scratches his ass, you know why he's doing it. So when you start to see, you know, the disguises and all of that, Jalen should be able to look at things pre-snap and see what it is that they like to do. There's only so many new wrinkles that you can throw in, um, you know, from a defensive perspective at this point. Um, so I welcome the fact, you know, bring bring the blitz because, you know, Jalen will make the proper move, make the proper read, maybe a hot route to Miles or, or, or you know, or Kenneth Gainwell where someone thinks that they're, he's going to stay in and block and you sneak him out and he's off to the races. Talking to, to the great Seth Joyner. Now, Seth, uh, you know, you have the intellect of a defensive coordinator, so I'm going to put you in this spot again. We, you know, we know what the Eagles do. Jalen is going to zone read. They're going to they're gonna RPO. Uh, Kansas City this year has not been great against either average, like 19th in the league against RPO. I don't know how many they've seen. Uh, but they also have a guy named Chris Jones there. So if, if you are defending a zone read with your Chiefs personnel, what's the best way to do it? Um... You know what the hard part is? The hard part about the RPO is it plays with the eyes of the, of the linebackers, you know, because whether you give it a pull, it is predicated on, you know, that linebacker that you're optioning off of, you know, uh, and it's really difficult. When you got a guy like Chris Jones, um, it makes it a lot easier for you to play it. Like, you know, you could see if you go back to, um, you know, I, I forget what, what playoff game it was, but, I think it was Michael Parsons. No, it wasn't. It was Fred Warner against the Eagles. They went um, RPO left, and Fred Warner was playing, you know, defense on the right side, you know, the defense. They actually hand the ball off, and Fred Warner did not move. I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing because everything up front, all the flow of the offense told him that the ball was going to, to our left, his right, but in order to take care of the slant, the RPO pass, 
he stayed pat. And it was like, you, you know, as a player, you're looking at, you're looking at, looking at him like, dude, what are you doing, man? Get your ass over there and make the tackle. But he was, that's the problem that the RPO presents. Um, so, you know, for a defensive coordinator, you know, how do you get your guys ready? Listen, if, if Jalen, if, if I was playing against Jalen Hurts and I was a defensive coordinator, I would bring my, my end down every single time. And I'd blast Jalen's ass every single time, whether he, you know, whether I'd make him hand it off every time I'd force the issue. I would not give him, you know, the PO. It would only be the run. Okay. Now I would blast him every time, make him hand it off. And then I'd scrape my backer or bring, walk the safety down late and scrape him for containment just by some crazy, you know, um, chance that ball bounce outside. At least I still got it contained, but I would take the pass and the option off of the RPO and make him hand that ball off every single time that he puts it out in Miles Sanders, you know, gut. So you would eliminate him carrying the football to, to chop that. Take it away. Take it away. And, and I'm telling you right now, Steve Spagnuolo is a smart dude. He's been around a long time. Um, and, and he, and, and some of his blitzes and things, Different coverages are very innovative. Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised if that's not his game plan. It's to take away Jalen's legs and make Jalen win throwing the ball and make the Eagles win this game um, running the football, you know, which I think they can do. You know, they're averaging 44 carries a game over the last two games, 208 yards, you know, rushing over the last, you know, two games and, you know, um, three and a half, 3.5 touchdowns per game over the last three games. I think anything that they do other than that is absolutely criminal. Keep doing it. All right, now talk to me about Mahomes because uh, obviously the ankle's not 100%. He admits it's not 100%. It's better than it was two weeks ago, I guess. But so much of what he does is uh, just, uh, you know, getting outside the pocket and, and making a play off of non-designed plays and, and, and plays that chunk plays that really kill you when you think you've got it defended. Um, so uh, like, how do you play that? Well, I mean, I, I would imagine that, you know, the defensive backs coach this week for the Eagles, they're running a lot of plaster drills. That means, you know, when the quarterback starts to move, whoever's closest to you in the zone, you pick him up, man, and you, you know, you lock on to him. That's the first thing. The second thing is, um, you know, the Eagles defensive ends, you know, have to, the as much as they're going to want to get there, Mike, they're going to have to like, they're going to have to turn their motors down. They can't play the game at a hundred miles an hour against a quarterback like Mahomes. You almost have to play it at 75 to 80 miles per hour. Why? Because if they get up the field above him, okay, all he's going to do is step through the gap where they went through and between where the tackle is. If it's man, he's going to make you pay. Even with the gimpy ankle, we saw that's how they got to the Super Bowl. He scrambles, gets hit out of bounds, picks up another 15 yards, you know, kick the field goal, game over. Okay. So as much as we want to make a big deal about his ankle being the way that it is, all bets are off right now. He's going to do whatever he has to do to win this football game. And if that means that he's got to scramble and run, he's going to do that. So the Eagles have got to be smart enough to say to themselves, we want him to throw from the pocket we don't ever want him on the move because when he's improvising and he's creating on the move that's when he's the most dangerous you know so make him play from the pocket 
and make him keep him in the pocket. You get up the field two yards and you stop at two yards. You don't want him to feel like he can step through that gap. Especially if you speed rush and stop. Now I've got the offensive tackle with his shoulders turned. So now when I stop, he's out of control. Now I can come under and, and make the sack or at least keep him in the pocket. But teams get themselves in trouble time and time again. The defensive ends rush recklessly. They get up the field above Patrick Mahomes, and all he does is step through. And, and if his man, he takes off. If his zone, you know, he scrambles horizontal to the line of scrimmage. The receivers that are deep come back. The ones that are short go deep. And, you know, defensive backs got their eyes in the field looking at him. And he's making, you know, these all-world, you know, oh, wow, look at Patrick Mahomes type throws. So you're saying don't be overly aggressive. Be cool. Temperate. Football is really tempered aggression. You know, sometimes we lose a little bit because coaches are like, get to the ball, get to the ball, get to the ball, you know. But it really is tempered aggression, you know, because if you're overly aggressive, if you're too you're too fast, too aggressive at certain times, you got to pick your times, you know, pick your times when to go. Pick your times when to be overly aggressive. But most of the time you've got to be tempered to a certain, certain degree. Uh, Seth, we know. Listen, we've been doing the show all year long, and and we've discussed the defensive coordinator all year long, and and here they are now uh, with a pretty good defensive number rating, and they're in the Super Bowl. So uh, I I know you've been critical of Jonathan Gannon. Um, what is your assessment of uh, of how he progressed this season? Hey, listen, first of all, I will say, um, you know, kudos to Jonathan Gannon. I know, you know, you you probably find that a little weird and crazy as, you know, because of how I viewed him all year long. But how do you argue with 16 and three? How do you argue with, you know, defense is ranked, you know, second in the National Football League, first in sacks, you know, and first versus the, the pass only giving up 171 yards per game? How do you argue against those things? So obviously he did something right. You know, um, I think when you when you're able to post that many sacks, you know, the motto of we want our front four to get home instead of having to blitz as much as, you know, many think we should, you know, has worked for him this year. Um, the addition of Hassan Reddick, um, you know, the addition of Linville Joseph and, and Dominican Sue has kept, you know, the guys on the inside fresh and, you know, BG coming back, you know, full strength has given them the opportunity to move him inside or out, especially the last couple of weeks. You know, he's just, you know, a beast how he plays. Um, and, and and when you, you know, I guess I will always stand on the pedestal of, you know, pressure changes things because I just believe that if you go and you look at the interceptions that the Eagles created or the turnovers, most of the turnovers that they created this year, they came as a result of pressure. And there was, there was a time where they were getting interceptions and droves. And then there was a time where they kind of went dormant for a while, for a while, as far as, you know, turnovers were concerned. And then towards the end of the year, it went up again. Um, So I just believe that, you know, you force issues rather than having issues forced upon you. But like I said, it's, it's hard to argue, you know, with what they've produced, you know, from a defensive standpoint. Um, and going into the Super Bowl, everyone has, you know, you got all of these games. You got 18 games, 17 games to go back and look at and evaluate and take apart a defense and what they do and what they like to do and their tendencies, you know, 
data analytical tendencies that will tell you what 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 a team likes to do. Jonathan Gannon is going to have to break some of those tendencies because I can promise you right now that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have have cued in, in into that, um, and they know when he likes to come and blitz and you know when he likes to play his quarters coverage and when he likes to play his cover three they understand all of that and they are game planning around being able to take advantage of predicting when he likes to do certain things um it's amazing to hear coaches talk um because i'm trying to think a couple of years ago a offensive coordinator was talking about a defensive coordinator he says oh it was um uh, an offensive coordinator talking about todd bowles and they said you know on third down he likes to do this and this you know, so we call the play um, that we prepare for what he likes to do in that situation. Sure enough, it's exactly what he did. You know, so as a defense coordinator in, in the biggest game, you've got to have some change, some change ups. You got to have some an, an anomalies in the way that you think about how you attack your opponent because they've had two weeks to break down everything you do, every tendency that you like to follow. How have you been handling these Twitter rats that have come at come at you all year? Are, are, are you have you backed off them, or are you still going hard at them? You know what, man? I don't, Mike. I don't mind debate. As as a matter of fact, I think I probably enjoy it more than anything else. Um, I don't mind respectful debate. What I don't put up with is disrespect. I will chop a fool up and tell him to go up to the top right corner and push that little arrow up there and unfollow and if they you know remain on my feed telling me what i should say and you know what an idiot i am and being disrespectful then what i'll do is i'll go up there and block their asses myself you know after i chop <laughs> them up with a few words so i'm all good man i you know it, it's it, it's amazing because um i'm trying to think i posted just the other day about you know um chris sims because again he doubled down again and i'm like you know this dumbass just doesn't get it, you know. Here he goes again. You know, just admit that you were wrong, you know, and give Jalen his props and move on. No, what does he do? He doubles down again. So I get some clown. Oh, did you do that, you know, with Jonathan Gannon? I'm like, clearly you're a troll, you know. You don't watch what I tweet. You don't watch what I say. You just want to, oh, you don't. I'm like, goodbye, Cliff. <laughs> goodbye. That's why I handle them also. Uh, let me ask you about the coaching matchups here. Um, Andy Reid has a pretty good track record when he has time to prepare for a team. He usually wins. Uh, he's a very experienced guy, much more than Nick Sirianni. How does this play into this game? Um, well, listen, I will tell you this. I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs, especially on the offensive side of the ball, is a finesse football team. Okay, the way you beat a finesse football team is you pound them into submission. We have the type of offense that can do that. A defense, I should say. We have the kind of defense that can do that. Um, I give Andy a lot of credit because, you know, I think he's learned massive lessons from his 14 years in Philadelphia that's allowed him to transform how he does things, you know, in Kansas City. You know, much to the chagrin of most, you know, Eagles fans. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. But. Um, what he does is I believe he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers as a play call in, in, in the NFL. When you see all this ring around the rosy crap and, you know, all of this motion and shifting and people all over the place, it's to me, it's really designed to screw with the eyes of the defensive players and to get their focus on things, you know, where they shouldn't be. 
Um, because as a defensive player, you don't know what the snap count is, what the play is, where the play is going, or any of that stuff. So everything for you as a defensive player is read and react. And you have keys that, that you have to read. You have to lock in on that tells you what the play is going to be based upon how those keys flow. Now, there's some there's some anomalies, you know, like the Eagles run like a counter trade, you know, and instead of the running back going with the pullers, he goes the other damn way. I'm like, okay, you know, you just have to, that's something you have to pick up in film study, you know, where, you know, you see the pullers, but you also see the back going the other damn way as the linebacker and you're in position to go get it. Um, but what Andy does is he wants you to, to be fooled. He wants your eyes to be fooled. And if your eyes are fooled, then that means that you're a second or a step or two too late. You know, if I'm coaching against Andy, my message to my guys is, I don't care what front we're in linebackers, what's your key? Where are your eyes? I don't care if Patrick Mahomes pulls his pants down around his freaking ankles, okay, before they snap the ball. Lock in on your key, and that's all I want you looking at until that ball is snapped because that's the game that Andy's playing right now above and better than anybody else in the National Football League. So give me an example of what would be the key. So if – you know, I know that a lot of coaches have, you know, defense coordinators have gotten to a place now because there's so many anomalies in how coaches run plays on the offensive side of the ball. As a linebacker, they have linebackers reading the back. It's the worst thing in the world, man, because the greatest two liars on the offensive side of the ball is the running back and the quarterback. If I'm trying to hand the ball off to my right, why would I reverse out to my left to hand it off to the right? Why wouldn't I just open up to the right and hand it off? The reason why you do that is because you know that the coach has coached the linebackers to look at the quarterback and the running back, okay? And the running back is going to take a jab step to the same side, that same left side that the quarterback is is is, is reversing out to, and the linebackers are looking at the two of them, and what do they do? They step left. When they step left, they create angles for the blocking scheme to pick them up instead of being able to see the blocking scheme and, and come downhill and take care of the play to their left or the offense's right every single time. So, you know, the, the difference is, you know, if I'm lined up and I've got an uncovered, you know, lineman, I'm reading through the uncovered lineman, through the quarterback, to the back. Now, if you can't broaden your vision where you see all of that, then you can't play, you know, you can't play linebacker. You got Your vision's got to be, you know, as I'm sitting here peripherally, you know, my arms are spread. I can see everything 190 degrees, and your vision needs to be trained that way. So if I can see the uncovered lineman, whether he's blocking down or whether he's pass setting or whether he's pulling, and I can see the back and the quarterback all at the same time, because I want to see him in sequence like that. I want to see the lineman. I want to see the quarterback, and then I want to see the back. So if my eyes are trained the proper way, I'm never fooled by what's going on. And when you see great linebacker play, that's what you see is a combination of that and a combination of preparedness. Let me take you back uh, now. Uh, first of all, uh, what, this, this two week for players, what what is this like? And then, you know, before that, you know, with your teams, we were always so promising how frustrating it was for you to watch this, like these two weeks, not being uh, uh, participating in it. So first, what what are these players thinking right now? What are they doing? Is it too much time for these guys? How do they kill time? How do they focus on, on this preparation every day uh, when they just want to get to the game? 
Well, the first week is a celebratory week a little bit. And it's, a, you know, although it's preparation, both coaches staff, both coaching staffs are trying to figure out, they probably got two game plans, you know, and they're playing with them both trying to figure out which one makes sense and, you know, what they can take from each one to create one game plan. For the players, they're planning for the trip, trying to get tickets and all that stuff, you know, you know, lined up. By the time they fly, flew in on Monday, you know, they know that they have um, media, media day on Tuesday. By the time they get on the field on Friday, it's like shut down. I mean, at least for me, it was. I told my family, I'm like, don't call me. Don't come see me. I'll see you guys Sunday night after the game. Don't, you know, because I've just got to lock in. Um, I think they've got enough veterans on this team that will um, that will require that, you know, these young players do just that. Um, but two weeks is a long time. It, it is a long time, you know, to wait to play a game. But I think right now as we roll into Thursday that we're right in the heart of, you know, their preparation, the finalization of their preparation. I think the coaches know what they want to do. The players know what the coaches expect and what they want. The little small um, changes that you're making, you know, the key break, the, the 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 analytics that have been gathered on you, you know, that's the thing that they're working the hardest on because the thing that they've done all year long, those things come come pretty natural. Um, but you know, listen, it, it's it, it's a tough deal, you know. But no one would ever not want to do it. You know, I went through it twice. I know what it is to win one. I know what it is to lose one. Um, and um, the, the, the preparation of it is long, it's arduous, uh, it sucks to lose one, nothing worse, but there's nothing like the thrill of victory when you actually win. Uh, take me back to the Eagles days when uh, the frustration would set in that you couldn't get to that next level. What was that like for you? Mm -hmm. What was that like for your teammates? Because obviously you knew you were good enough. Right. Well, you know, Mike, I, I think it was a combination and a confluence of things because um, you know, obviously, you know, I'll forever have, you know, this love and affection for, for Buddy Ryan, um, and what he was trying to create, um, you know, the fog bowl, we all felt like was our year. Um, I think everybody knew that, you know, we were primed at that point in time from a talent standpoint across the board, you know, to win a Super Bowl. um, the fog in Chicago, you know, pretty much you know, put the kibosh on that. Um, and things kind of went downhill from that point, you know, for the, for us. Um, but, you know, you have to be good. You have to be lucky. And timing is, is of the essence, you know, to win a Super Bowl. Um, I would say even much more so then than now because you didn't have free agency where you could, you know, in one season transform your roster, you know, like Howie's done with this roster in one season. Um, so the frustration was always there, you know, that, Hey, you know, had buddy been given two more years, you know, we might've gotten to the promised land. Then you think about the year that Randall tore his knee up and we go 10 and six and don't even make the playoffs. And we're number one across the board in every statistical category, if we could have just got 14 points a game, you know, we probably would have won, you know, we probably would have went 14 and two and been the number one seed. So it, it's just, you know, it, you, you as a player, you understand that, you know, stars have to align and every, everything has to be perfect, you know. But, you know, th there are five of my brothers <clears throat> on that defensive, on that defense that are gone. And, 
you know, when the rest of us get together, we talk about all the time about how freaking close we were, you know, and how we could have been, um, you know, demigods, if you will, in the city of Philadelphia, we could have pulled it off just like the guys in 2017 are, you know, and I don't care what you say, those guys will forever be remembered. Um, even what these guys do to do on Sunday, you know, the city of Philadelphia will love them, but they will never love them the way that those first guys in 2017 pulled it off. We understood the magnitude of that. Unfortunately, um, the situation wouldn't allow us to get it done. Seth Joyner, he, uh, Seth has dual citizenship, Philly and Arizona. So I got to ask you something that's non-football related that happened late last night. The Phoenix Suns grabbed Kevin Durant. Now, in addition to all the stuff that's going on out there, all of a sudden now it looks like it's a team that can contend for an NBA title. So have you been able to process this yet? How, how do you feel about that? Well, listen, Mike, I got some opinions about all of it. I think that all of a sudden – the Suns become the favorite, you know, in the West. If Chris Paul can stay healthy, if Devin Booker can stay healthy, think about that. That starting that starting lineup. You got Chris Paul running things. You got Devin Booker at the two, or Kevin Durant at the two. However you want to do it, and then you got DeAndre Ayton, you know, who's kind of coming to his own. The question is, who the hell's coming off the bench? You let go of Mikael Bridges. Who the who who? Listen, in my opinion. The Nets are in a fire sale, okay? Doc Rivers and um, Daryl Morey need to go and get Mikael Bridges right now. They shouldn't have never traded him in the first damn place. They need another score. And Mikael Bridges, if they got to give up a draft pick, go and get him now, okay? Because that's the missing piece that the Sixers are, 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 are missing right now. They need another consistent score, a guy that can give them 20 and six every single night. And I think Mikel Bridges, but going back to the Suns, they gave up Mikel Bridges. They gave up Cam Johnson, who was coming into his own. Um, and they gave up um, Jay Crowder, who you know, I'm not that. And then four first round draft picks. Okay. Who the hell's coming off the bench for him? You know, because two or three of them are going to have to come off the floor at some point in time for a break. Who are you going to put in? So you build up this 20-point lead, this 15-point lead. By the time they get a drink of Gatorade and get back on the floor, they're down by five. <laughs> yeah, I guess they'll cross that bridge when they come to it because you're right. Most people go, oh, my God, look at that starting lineup. But they all can't play 48 minutes. So uh, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Exactly. But it's a, it's a hot time in Arizona, man. And listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know you, you're going to be very busy. I know you got people at your house. Uh, I will see you for the for the final postgame show of the year and I hope it's we're talking about a Super Bowl victory, Seth. I'll tell you that. Hope doesn't exist here, Mike. It's a done deal. Get your um, <laughs> so so your your prediction is what? My prediction is the Eagles are gonna win this game by six points. They're gonna cover. Um they're gonna cover the spread. I think what is what do I got? Um 32, 32 26. Um so I tease that bad boy down, tease that over under down and um, take the over it's a little too close to the 50 mark you know for me to just take the straight up over but um i like them to cover the one point you know and i think i think they win the game i think that you know our offense is dominant enough to give them problems defensively and i think that you know like i said before if they don't if they come out and do anything any different than they've done um you know it, it will be the most egregious thing that i've ever seen you know in the setting of trying to win the championship because Kansas City Chiefs defense, Mike, you know, 
they're good. They're fast. They're going to come out. They're going to be playing with aggressive. Their hair is going to be on fire. But let me tell you something. San Francisco 49ers defense was that way last week, too. And we started pounding that rock, you know, on their ass. You know, they wilted um, and, and fell off, too. You're talking about the number one the number one scoring defense in San Francisco two weeks ago, only giving up 16 points a game. We hung a 31 spot on. Okay. You mean to tell me that we come out and play the same type of game and listen, I don't give a damn about Jalen Hurts winning the MVP and I don't give a damn about passing yards. What I give a damn about is this team winning the championship. How are you going to get that done? Let's flip the narrative on his head. First, you can win with a running quarterback Two. You can still win in the National Football League by running the ball, and you can dominate by running the ball. And three, you better dominate the time of possession, almost two to one. And if Patrick Mahomes has more than 10 possessions in this game, it's going to be a problem for the Eagles. And how do you do that? You run the ball, control the clock, those 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives to eat up five, six, seven minutes of the clock and only gives you one or two possessions a quarter. And then the Eagles defense is going to have to come up and make a stop here. They're probably going to, they're probably going to need to make San, um, 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 Kansas City punt the ball, you know, two to three times and then make them kick two field goals. Yeah, well, Seth, you know I'm going to have a, at least a couple betting slips in my pocket to show you. Uh, Seth and I, we go through this thing uh, during the game. I'll, I'll spring like, well, I'll wait late in the afternoon uh, with the results, Darren, of a, of a football game, and all of a sudden I'll, I'll just pull that ticket out. I go, here you go, Seth. Boom. So Seth, what no, he uh, Darren, he doesn't pull it out. You, right when it, when it's like three minutes left in the game, he'll go, he'll go like this. He'll go, bam. <laughs> <laughs> but what ticket do I have in my pocket for Sunday, Seth? Guess it. Which one do you have? Which one will I have? What would be my main ticket? Your main ticket will be, um, wow. Well, I don't know all the prop bets. I know that's what you got. You got a prop bet. Then. No, I don't go prop bets. Prop bets is sick. Sucker bets. I, I I go straight with winners. Straight winners. I go straight winners. You got the Eagles to cover the one and a half, man. I may I may not even play with the point spread. You got to. I may just go heavy on a money line win. Yeah, you know you you'll get you'll get a little bit of odds if you played it if you played it play the spread, man. Come on, I know you might. I, I spring it on. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I'll just pull it out. I, I'm, and listen, you, you you're not trying to you're not trying to spend twenty to get twenty. You're trying to spend twenty to get twenty five. I know. I'm you trying now. to spend a thousand to get a thousand fifteen. <laughs> see, see, and and that and for me, that's why I don't bet right there. You know, because I'm not going to risk a thousand to get a thousand. If I'm going to risk a thousand, I want five back. Shit, got to take what you can get, brother. <laughs> I risk if I risk a thousand to get a little more than a thousand. That's a good investment for me. It's a pleasure talking with you. Have fun out there. We will see you on Sunday, brother. You got it, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. The great Steph Joyner. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.